Hi everyone, this is your girl, Kimberly K. Dillon. I am so excited that you're listening to this audio. First off, I gotta say this is a complete experiment. Um, so thank you for being on for the ride. What I wanted to do with these is really to give you a sense of what I'm thinking about, what I'm exposed to, and all of the craziness that comes with working in cannabis and in California. And what makes this sort of different than all these other podcasts that are out there is that we are zoning in to the point. So hopefully these are all bite-sized nuggets where it's centralized around one sort of thought. There's not a lot of context. There's not a lot of backstory. We are getting to the heart of the matter. So today I wanted to talk about, is everyone in LA microdosing? And the answer is, if you're friends with me, yes. Microdosing has been the trend of how people are dealing with the craziness of the pandemic, how people are dealing with depression, anxiety, grief, um, and probably a little thing called ennui. <laughs> so what makes microdosing a little bit different than just taking drugs? Microdosing is specifically around taking very small amounts of usually, typically, psychedelics. So there's something that's called a hero's dose, a normal dose, and a microdose. A hero's dose is probably um, going to the extreme of a dose amount. A normal amount is generally where most people will feel some effects, but it will wear off you know, pretty quickly. And a microdose is something that's almost um, slight in nature where you are taking sometimes one-tenth of what a normal dose would be, and you're taking it for a specific amount of time. Now, there's a couple of vocab words um, as relates to microdosing, and I want to share those with you quickly because it's a little bit different than I'm just taking small amount, one puff of a joint, or I'm just taking a little bit of a shroom and I'm microdosing. That's a very casual approach. What I'm suggesting is microdosing is actually a formal, air quotes, process. And by formal, I mean there's a general set of steps to the process, not formal in the sense that there's rules. And so getting right into that, there's something called a protocol. And that's something that I've been seeing from a lot of organizations and just people via text message when they're trying to sell you shrimps. And the protocol is how the instructions on how you take these medicines. And I've seen things where one day you're on, one day you're not. Sometimes there's supplements that have nothing to do with the psychedelics that you take before or that you take afterwards. Usually those things are things that replenish sort of your serotonin levels or other sort of supplements. Um, so protocol usually kind of speaks to the process of how you take these psychedelics. I've also noticed that there's usually a duration. So when you buy these psychedelics for microdosing purposes, um, usually it's a one-week supply or a 30-day supply, um, but there's usually a duration that is combined with the protocol. And there are certain days that you are taking them and certain kinds and certain mixes that are happening in this specific 
duration. Now, some of these durations could be one day, and some of those durations could be a little bit longer. There's also this concept of integration, the idea that after you do the protocol, the duration, that there's an integration back into, air quotes, society. This integration involves sometimes journaling. It sometimes involves talking to a counselor. It sometimes involves taking a supplement, as we had mentioned earlier. But there's this general concept of a beginning, a middle, and end. And that end is an integration. Now, the thing that I find really fascinating about this whole sort of microdosing moment is that it's a little bit different than cannabis. It's a little bit different than alcohol. Well, alcohol is not even really a psychedelic or even something you can microdose unless you call Bud Light, you know, a microdose of alcohol. But let's compare it to cannabis. Cannabis is not necessarily something that you can get a service around. And so I want to introduce this idea of psychedelics as a service. A number of the sellers of microdosing are actually selling you counseling as well, counseling slash coaching. And in fact, some of the biggest research from the research scientists who are working to legalize psychedelics, such as an organization as MAPS, which we are putting in the comments below, really push this concept of working with a therapist or a doctor or a psychiatrist um, throughout the process. Here in LA, we have a number of studios. Some of them are called uh, Day Trip or Mind Bloom. They're all very pastel-y. And when you go to those studios, you are actually getting a service of speaking to someone who will be your coach slash therapist who will set you on this journey, will check in with you, and then will lead you through this integration process afterwards. And so it's interesting that I'm seeing more psychedelics in this sort of process. So it's medicine plus the service versus when we think about cannabis where you go to a dispensary, you buy it, maybe the bud tender might be 23 years old and not really trained, more akin to a retail worker, you buy the medicine and go. In psychedelics, as we see it formalized, it's becoming more of a medicinal, well, I don't want to say medicinal, but it's more of a service in the same of going to get a massage or getting or going to therapy where there is um, a repeatable process and there's an outcome that we are working What's interesting is that there's a lot of money going into this. A lot of cannabis people that I know have moved into psychedelics, and they have raised large amounts of money for this space. We'll put a link of a couple of these studios where you can go, and of course, they are virtual, so you can do a lot of these things via Zoom. And so Mind Bloom is one, Day Trip is another, Nomad is one that's in New York. And you kind of get these sort of like interesting names of going on a journey. Now, there's a lot of controversy here because some people are concerned around the Starbucksification, as I would like to call it, of psychedelics, this idea of making something really pretty and, and, and taking away the spiritual aspects of psychedelics. 
are removing sort of the indigenous healers as it relates to the space. Um, healers uh, here in this country, specifically from indigenous tribes, have been working with psychedelics for hundreds and hundreds of years. Um, and so there is some concern around the erasure of these indigenous healers for these sort of venture backed movements. And when I say venture backed, we're talking major money. So about a half a billion dollars um, in these sort of retail psychedelic spaces have been invested. Peter Thiel of PayPal fame, um, one of Trump's tech advisors, has been one of the largest investors in the space. Tim Ferriss, Joe Rogan, Gwyneth Paltrow, um, all of these people have invested in this psychedelic space and the standing up of this industry. So it's a pretty big movement. I do want to clarify, I realize we haven't said specifically what psychedelics are. Um, I like to think of it in a couple of different ways, but some people might argue that cannabis is psychedelic. I would argue that that's not the case. Um, mushrooms is probably what most of us think about, magic mushrooms. with um, um, Ketamine is another one. Ibogene, peyote, arawaska. But what's important is that I actually think there's sort of three categories. One is plant medicine. And so that's something like a, a rape or something maybe like an arawaska where it's coming from plants. Then what I call fungi medicine. Fungi, I call that out because I, unfortunately, just found out that mushrooms are not plants and that mushrooms technically are funguses and are actually cellularly more connected to, are like scientifically more connected to us as humans than plants. And actually mammals and funguses used to, are fungi, <laughs> used to be actually in the same category until a couple, uh, like 150 years ago. So fungi medicine and then lab created. So these are sort of the synthetics, so like a MDMA. What's interesting is that ketamine is the one that is currently legal here in the United States. Ketamine is a horse tranquilizer, but a lot of research studies in the early 70s before the war on drugs and Nixon found uh, that ketamine had some potentiality as it related to anxiety, depression, and mental disorders. And so a number of these clinics I just mentioned, like Day Trip and Nomad, are actually ketamine clinics in which you are taking essentially horse tranquilizers to deal with depression and anxiety. And some people are seeing some really good sort of experiences and some people are feeling nothing. And I think it's important to sort of make that designation. Sometimes we say plant medicine or we say shrooms and part of this is MDMA, part of this is ketamine, part of this is LSD. Psychedelics is a pretty broad term. So what is the future of this? The future of this is that, you know, if you're listening, you probably are in the cannabis industry or know that I'm in the cannabis industry. It's taking off. Uh, lots of investment dollars are going into the space. Lots of work is happening in Europe. Clinical studies are happening much faster on the psychedelic side than on, um, the cannabis side, and a number of psychedelics are already legal. And so I think there, I'll end with this, I think the reason why um, 
this is a really interesting space to watch out for, is that there's a potentiality of really impacting society in a meaningful way. And what's slightly different or what's really different versus like a cannabis per se is that you don't have to do psychedelics in an ongoing way. And so I just want to mention that. So a lot of the benefits as it relates to dealing with anxiety or PTSD is that you could do this for two to three weeks and then never do psychedelics again and still see the benefits. And so in that way, it's pretty transformative when we're talking about microdosing. This is not necessarily something that you have to do for a lifetime or look to get those experiences in that moment. And so what's happening is that when you're going on these microdosing trips, you're actually changing your neural pathways is the concept. And it's not something that you have to do in an ongoing way. Making cannabis sort of a medicine that's dealing with a problem or like the symptoms of the problem, like you are relaxing or you're relieving pain in that moment, but you have to continuously take cannabis versus psychedelics. You can be transformed in a one time, like one duration sort of experience, making it a little bit uh, different. We are actually seeing the U.S. government and organizations like the UFC exploring um, psychedelics, and we're seeing clinical stage three trials happening right now from the U.S. military looking to engage uh, in microdosing and psychedelics to deal with PTSD among veterans. And anything that deals with the military makes me feel like it's probably a go, and it's going to go uh, much faster and smoother, or at least that's what these investors think than in the cannabis industry. I do want to end on this because I thought this was fascinating because when I think of microdosing or psychedelics, I do think of it as a very white space. I think of white privilege or I think about um, people who are bored or people who have lots of money. And I did find across two organizations, well, one organization and one paper that I thought was interesting. And it was this idea that psychedelics can actually help heal racial trauma. There's an organization called the Sabina Project, links in the notes, talking about the anxiety and the depression and the powerlessness that's felt in this country by many people of color and how psychedelics, which is not uh, something that these communities tend to think about, um, can really change racial trauma and racial-informed depression which, while that's really kind of shocking and amazing to hear, if you really think about the origins of a lot of this medicine sitting in ceremony, it was indigenous and people of color who, who, who originated this return to the self, the return to oneness, the return to the earth through plants and nature. And here we are in modern times returning to a very ancient ritual. So we're at the 15-minute mark. I just wanted to jump in. These are real fast, real quick. If you like these, please let us know. Please send me an email. Uh, I'm Kimberly at plantandprosper.co. Please share with your friends and your families. If you have ideas of what we should talk about next, we are so open. This is meant to be casual and a quick, deep dive into the crazy world of wellness. I hope you enjoyed. Be safe out there.